Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, hello everyone and good morning and welcome back to the program. Happy New Year from everyone here at Good Morning New York. We wish each and every one of you a happy and healthy 2018. At this hour, Leonard Steinberg is here. He is one of our favorite guests here on the show and is always informative and inspirational. He is president of Compass. We will talk about brand association, reality TV, the status of the market currently, and the newly passed tax reform bill. So stand by for all of that. Also at this hour, the last of the legacy contracts from the super luxury boom in new developments are closing, and the market is beginning to feel the hangover. As 2017 ended, the average sale price in Manhattan dipped below $2 million for the first time since early 2016. We will talk about that as well. But first, I would like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I am Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. My panel is here, and we will get to all of that and much more. Leonard Steinberg is a New York City-based real estate broker, and he is also president at Compass, working mostly with units inside luxury buildings. Leonard has been responsible for over $3 billion in transactions throughout his career. Very impressive, Leonard. Luxury buildings are his specialty. Business Insider just did a piece on Leonard and said that his move over to Compass, a real estate company that launched in 2013 and prioritizes data and technology, came as a surprise to many in the industry. He left Douglas Elliman, where he was the top agent for downtown Manhattan, and at the time he said, I feel, I like to feel like a bit of a maverick. Oh, my. Do you still like the of a maverick? I don't know about that. It's exhausting, I guess. <laughs> it's exhausting. Aside from his super successful real estate career, Leonard is also a writer of industry-related inspirational emails and stories. Every day, it is a different topic. We will talk about a few of them today. Additionally, we will break down the recently passed Republican tax reform bill and how that will affect New York City real estate industry or not. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. So great to see you. You too. I have a great face for radio, by the way. I'm very happy here. (laughs) (laughs) We love having you here. So let's get right at it. Compass announced last month that it had received the largest real estate tech investment in U.S. history with a $450 million infusion from SoftBank. That investment now values Compass at $2.2 billion. So what are you doing with all that money? Well, it's... I I read yesterday, I think, that you just opened a new office in Dallas, correct? Correct. We actually just um, uh, merged with an amazing company in Dallas, Texas, uh, very much aligned with who we are as a company, and it's a very exciting prospect to enter the Texas market, Dallas being the sixth largest market in all the United States of America. And Dallas has a very special place in my heart because, believe it or not, when I emigrated, I started in Dallas. I know Dallas really, really really well. Yes. I didn't know that. I know margaritas and Tex-Mex better than anyone. (laughs) See, I missed something in my... My research. That's very interesting. I happen to I happen to also like uh, like Dallas. So beyond the Dallas expansion, I mean, obviously you're a world becoming more of a worldwide company these days. Where else do you plan to uh, explore or open in the next several months, next quarter or two, if you can speak about it? Well, yes, I think uh, the plan is to um, use this capital to invest. We are not about spending, and in fact, Robert Refkin, our CEO, flies coach, and um, I still pay for a little upgrade because I'm older, but I think um, <laughs> this money is, is <laughs> this uh, this uh, money is designed to expand rapidly into all the territories we feel uh, Compass brand is needed and wanted, and that is uh, national as well as global. But uh, for this year, we're most focused on national. And of course, we started this year off with uh, Dallas, Texas. We're going to talk a little bit about branding and how <clears throat> that has obviously helped, you know, the the, the posture and then the stature of, of Compass as a company. But as I stated earlier, you were very involved with the Uber luxury market here in New York City. And as um, you told Business Insider, quote, and I really like this quote, there are certain people in our world who want the best in the world and can afford it and we cater to them. So in your in your Uber luxury business, how do you cater to them? And by the way, how is the penthouse at 100 East 53rd Street doing? I think that's $65 million. $65 million, My yes. audience is always very intrigued with these very large numbers because I get emails every day saying, but who in the world can afford $65 million or $100 million for an apartment? Well, I think people laugh about that and always say, well, it's the rich Hollywood people or the Wall Streeters. 
But let's face it, this just this last weekend, two mega millionaires were made by winning the lottery. That's Wealth okay. creation happens every day around the globe and from all sorts of unexpected places. The obvious wealth is one part of it, but there's a lot of non-obvious wealth that is created. And the wealth creation that has happened over the last 10 years is so phenomenal. And I think it's going to continue going for some time because it's not just national, but it's uh, international phenomena. And there is this extraordinary wealth where there is a shortage of a certain type of property and there's a price to be paid. Just the way there is a market for art or fine cars or jewelry, it's a supply and demand uh, business. We'll get more into the status of, of the the 2018 market as you see it and as the rest of us see it a little later on. But but given this particular topic of the Uber luxury $65 million, $100 million apartment here in New York City, do you, it, has it taken a little bit of a bump uh, because of maybe some uncertainty around the world, uncertainty in our political structure, um, anything? Well, we've had, we've had multiple moments of uncertainty over the last five, ten years, and I think what we've entered now is the era of uncertainty, where we can be certain that uncertainty is certain. So, <laughs> you know, well said. Well, I think when you have a media that is at each other's throat to get the eyeballs of the planet, it is certain that even the smallest news item will become a huge news item, and that's going to continue forever. But I do think the very wealthy are very focused on the bigger picture, and they need a home. They actually need to live somewhere too. And I think um, you will always have a market for that. I do believe that certain asking prices over the last, there's probably been the largest correction of the very high end market in the last 24 months than in any other time in history outside of an equity markets correction. So we are seeing that happen right now. And mostly it has to do with asking prices. When you look at the trades that recently happened at 432 Park Avenue, they were almost 25% off the asking price. But the question is, what were the asking prices? What were the asking prices and were they accurate is, is exactly. more said. So check it out, people. 100 East 53rd Street, Penthouse, uh, one of Leonard's listings, $65 million. Leonard, I want to talk about, you know, your inspirational writing. You know, I know a lot of your agents, um, you know, in the company and I've, I've, you know, been working with them throughout, you know, many years. And every one of them say to me that they look forward to your email every morning and each morning before you head to the office, you send out a daily company-wide email. What inspires you to do this, and where do you come up with with the the topic of the day, so to speak? I mean, because you your plate is extremely full. <laughs> I don't know how you have the time to sit there and compose before you even leave the house. Well, it started about twelve hundred and something emails ago um, when I joined Compass. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's a lot of uh, work. It is a lot of thinking, but it actually is the best discipline I've ever had in my life. Having an ADD brain, that sort of discipline is a gift. Like the rest of us. Well, I wake up at around 5.30 in the morning and I literally spring out of bed, sit down at the computer and start writing. And most times it is in some way relative to events that are happening around the world or in our area at that specific time. And they also include factoids related to real estate so that my, you know, for me, it's a discipline to help myself be informed. But more importantly, it is a case of me for, being forced to read a lot and learn a lot and really be daily aware of what's going on around me in the city, around the country and around the globe. I am not on your distribution list. Obviously, I don't work at Compass. However, when you do post or repost some of those to social media, I swallow them up because they're really very, very they're very interesting, and I find them also very inspiring because sometimes, you know, as we run around this city doing the jobs that we do in real estate, high-powered, you know, very, very busy, you don't stop and think sometimes about the small things or the simple things that you write about that we sit back then and read and say, oh, okay, I get it. Makes sense to me. Uh, a couple of them you wrote about aging recently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a topic dear to my heart. <laughs> dear to my heart, too. Talk just a little. We got a few minutes before this break. It, it, what did you. Well, everyone talks about the millennials, right? Everyone's uh, millennial and young yeah. and young and young. But the reality We're is. by them, Leonard. I, I am desperate. They're annoying. They look so good this early in the morning. It's annoying. But I will say that. Um, as much as they are millennial, my age group, which I will not uh, reveal at this moment, You're younger than me. we strive to be millennial because we're actually intrigued by this, number one, looking good, but number yeah. two, being healthy, number three, having a youthful mentality, number four, doing all the things that the younger audience is doing today, being more tech savvy, being more exposed to different ways of thinking, different ways of living. So I really try and tap into that. And my point about aging is that 
age is just a number these days. And what is 75 today appears more like 50 10, from 10, even 15 years ago. It, and that's really, beside the Botox. It, well, <laughs> it really is amazing because I remember when I was in my teens and in my 20s and my parents were, I don't know, 30s or 40s probably. And, you know, they just appeared so much older. Fossils. Of course it was fossils. And, it was, <laughs> and you used to look at them when dad would say something like, you know, what do you know? You know, forget it. And he was a young man. But, you know, to me, he was very old. So I think you're right. I think the way we've gone through life uh, and probably because of everything that, you know, the world has morphed into, we look at people now who are older and maybe it's Botox and maybe it's a whole bunch of things. But you know what? I think it's also a healthier lifestyle. Well, I think and I, in our business, you do need to be healthy of mind and, and body and soul, I think. I find in my travels, I've, I meet the youngest 75-year-olds and the oldest 20-year-olds. Correct. So it really is about mentality and uh, physical activity, mental activity. I'm actually stunned sometimes. I had uh, my second cousin passed away last year and literally on his deathbed. His mind was still going so potently, and he was so aware of so many current events. He was 94 years old. I'd love him. <laughs> yeah. And what's so fascinating about age these days, especially in our industry, is that the younger people are trying to be older. So you have the older people who are trying that to be more tech old. savvy and like Correct. millennials. Then you have the millennials who are trying to appear older, you know, act more educated, act more, you know, I guess like they've been in the business for a while. So they're, they're, we need to all come together in the middle. <laughs> all right, we have to leave it there. We'll be back with Leonard Steinberg right after this break. We're going to talk about tax reform, agent branding, and reality TV. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Everybody, we are back with Leonard Steinberg, president uh, at Compass. Leonard, you wrote recently in one of your company emails or on social media or both that who and what we are directly and indirectly connected to is a form of brand association. Brand association is nothing new, of course, although it's become a huge topic in our world of social influencers. So associating yourself with a strong brand that truly represents who you are and your belief system uh, has untold value. One example you wrote about is that when you set out when you set out on the journey as president of Compass three years ago, uh, you didn't know that the company would grow thirty five hundred percent. I mean, when I read that, I thought, my God! And 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 obviously, I think due to branding. So how you know how do you explain such phenomenal growth? You know, we here in the industry that have been in the industry for a long time have watched your company 
closely and 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 watch how successfully it's grown. What do you attribute all of that to? Obviously, great brokers and and you. But what I mean, where, where does this thirty five percent growth, thirty five hundred percent growth, come from? That's significant. Look, I think first and foremost, around the country, we have discovered that there's a group of agents scattered around the country who see encompass a sense of commonality. And in that, I think, lies a brand's uh, power to communicate certain um, attributes, certain beliefs, certain standards. And there are people who relate to that. It's almost like matchmaking. You know, a, a new star comes to the movie screen and everyone says, I love that star. I think the same thing is to be said with uh, great branding. When you have a brand that stands for something, if you have a brand that is clearly defined, and if you can see what kind of track record they are delivering in a very short period of time, I think that resonates with a lot of people. But I do think what we've done is historic because... As of last year, we did $14 billion in sales, which is the same sales volume one of the top five real estate companies in the country did after being in the business for over 100 years. So the speed at which it's happening is pretty phenomenal. But I think that is the power of today's world where the message can be broadcast very well. Going back to us as kids, parents always used to say, be careful who your friends are because people will judge you by your friends. The same is true for us as independent contractors when we are agents. Who we associate ourselves with is going to tell the, the outside world a lot about who you are, not only with how you do business, but what you believe in. And I think that has had tremendous impact on what we're doing. Very well said. All right, so let's get on to the topic of, of reality TV. Oh, geez, here we go again. I'm so, so intrigued by this. You said on social media, reality TV and pornography, excuse me, have quite a bit in common. They involve a lot of faking, okay? We, we, the, the, the word fake these days is all over the world. Yes, contrary to popular belief, what happens on reality television is quite significantly different to actual reality, especially when it comes to the real estate brokerage business. What prompted you to to think about this and to write about this? And so eloquently, if I can remember, you know, the the actual, you know, story, it was very, very well written, succinct. And when I finished reading it, I thought, okay, you know, he put that together really well. <laughs> Explain <laughs> this to the listening audience because well, everybody is fascinated with the million-dollar people running all over the world, right? Look, the problem is that the uh, – I get confronted with reality TV issues on an almost daily basis with agents saying, it's so easy, you know, right. a deal falls from out of the sky and I get this massive check. Mm. The same thing from the consumer. <laughs> oh my God, you guys, you just drive around in chauffeured cars and you have lunch at, you know, these fancy restaurants doing deals over the cell phone on speaker because does anyone in real estate that you know negotiate a deal on speakerphone. So unfortunately, you have two worlds colliding. One is entertainment and one is business and you have to make business entertaining. And I understand the need of producers to encourage and enhance the process. Uh, look, the Jerry Springer show would have been very boring had people not been told to pick up a chair and throw it across the room. It would have been dull. They would have lost out on ratings. Now, the same level of entertainment mixed with business is happening everywhere and people don't want to sit back in their living room and be bored. What I do, however, find is that reality TV has been extraordinary in how many people love watching it just to see property. So I do find that 90% of the people who watch these shows are actually just looking at it as they want to see great real estate. And for that, I'm very happy. And I, and I think, you know, outside, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of New York City and outside of our industry, you know, New York, one of the reasons this show is so popular and resonates with a lot of people is because there is such a, there's still such a fascination with New York City real estate. So I agree with you. And I think, you know, those who don't live in Manhattan, but fantasize about what a $90 million apartment's all about, a $10 million apartment's all about, well, they can tune into a television show about real estate and see, if not want to believe all the shenanigans that go on with, you know, how they do a deal, but they get to see what a property really looks like. And I think that carry that's great forward even more but i have to tell you what it's just like the sausage making factory sometimes you just want to sit down at your table and have a lovely plate with a sausage you don't want to go into the sausage um, factory and watch what it takes to make them right and unfortunately if that sausage making factory had a producer standing behind saying now throw the meat on the floor and scoop it up and just throw it in the machine you'd be disgusted i also think it's um a problem in our industry and it's a global yeah. problem in our industry that we are judged by the number 
numbers. I think we should be judged by quality and I think we should be judged by the quality of service we deliver to the consumer because when the focus is all about the agent, the agent, the agent, that's wrong. The agent is there to serve the needs of the consumer and make their lives better. It's not about making their, the agent's life better exclusively. I totally agree. Uh, all right. So the tax reform bill uh, that was, was, excuse me, I can't speak this morning, that was recently passed. New York City is one of the most expensive real estate markets in the country, as we know, with exceptionally high real estate taxes. Given the lofty property taxes, unless they're abated in a new development situation, combined with high property values, this component of the 2017 <clears throat> tax code reform may seem unfavorable. When the average apartment price in Manhattan is hovering around the $1 million mark, in some cases higher, and climbing, it comes to no surprise that this may seem disruptive and maybe even limiting to the middle class dream of home ownership. And people have been walking around prior to the bill passing and now since the bill is passing saying, why buy when I don't any longer get all the benefits? So what are you seeing in your you know, luxury um pursuit of real estate on a daily basis. Are people saying this to you as well? Well, I think there's a mixed bag. And unfortunately, there are two kinds of rich people in New York. One are the very, very, very rich. Correct. And then the others are the rich. They've been lumped together under one umbrella and everyone's rich all of a sudden. But that's not the case. Someone who earns 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year with hundreds of millions of dollars worth of assets is in a completely different situation than someone who has a $1.5 million apartment is earning $400,000 a year. Unfortunately, outside of big cities, that is viewed as rich regardless. And if you complain, I'm only earning $400,000 a year, people want to smack you and rightfully so. Until they come to a city like New York or San Francisco, even Dallas or Los Angeles, and you discover what it costs to survive. And I'm not talking about survival of the most menial standards, but just for a quality of life. And uh, the tax code is a mess. I think this new tax policy is very unfair to certain people and exceedingly fair to others. So certain people are gonna make an absolute fortune out of this tax bill. And certain people are gonna get beaten up. And I do think that happens with every tax bill, but I think in this tax bill, there are severe flaws that hopefully over time will be corrected. It'll be interesting to see how the states adjust to it. And in that lies tremendous hope that um, they will. Be. Look, as far as benefits go to home ownership, you have to live somewhere. And if everyone heads towards rental land, you can be certain rents are going to go way up. And thirdly, the quality of a rental property on average is significantly less than an owned property. And I think there's certain, um, you know, realities about the longevity of ownership. Um, owning property over an extended period of time is you know, for people who aren't great at investing in savings, a certain savings um, account. So it may not be something that escalates, you know, 20% a year or 10% a year. But I have, I have to tell you, I meet a lot more people who are retiring with real estate who are happy than those who are retiring as renters. In, you know, going forward, I mean, I agree with what you said, and it's going to take time to flush out and see exactly where people will fall with regard to buying, should I buy, should I not buy, whatever. But, but in your opinion, what do you think, in the few minutes we have left in the segment, what do you think is the short term for this situation? Do you think people are going to kind of stand by and just really wait, or are they going to take better advice from their, their agents and their brokers saying, okay, here's the reasons why you should buy, et cetera, et cetera. Where do you think we're going to go with that in the short term? I don't know. The answer is no one really knows for sure. I think it's going to be a mixed bag. They're going to be, I just actually was uh, looking at emails with a multiple bid situation on the Upper West Side, you know, in the $3 million and under bracket, oh, okay, where you'd say, well, that's a different, you know, you'd expect there to be a bit of a problem, but there isn't. Right. So it's a mixed bag. And I think we will only know the full effects of this probably in a year and a half. My suspicion is people on average will only see the effects of this tax policy come March, April of 2019 when they start doing their tax returns. Right now, they're probably going to see more money in their paycheck. So there is a bit correct. of a, um, you know, there's a mixed bag. I would suggest to everyone to have a great accountant or financial advisor look at their current situation and, and, and guide them accordingly. But as far as home ownership goes, I think there will always be people who want to own a home. And let's face it, governments and tax bills come and go. They come and go, and hopefully uh, we'll get this correct. So just for the next couple of minutes that we have for this segment, 2018 Marketplace, where do you see as a whole uh, the market going? We've come from a crazy 16, a volatile-ish 
17, but then kind of, you know, uh, worked itself out. Where are we heading for 2018? I think there are pockets in 2018 where you'll have extreme shortages of a certain kind of housing. Certainly what is being built right now does not meet the demand across the country, but there will be pockets as well where there's oversupply and the uh, time it'll take to absorb that will be longer. What I will say is that a security blanket has been built into the entire system whereby banks are not financing new projects unless there's a need for that exact type of uh, property, which is a wonderful new thing that didn't happen 10 years ago. Now, how do they define that need, though? Because I, I, I've heard that as well, and I think, all right, well, that makes sense. But how do, but how do they define, you know, is that prop- property needed or is that project needed? That's going to be a very kind of grayish well, there'll be some yeah. honest developers and there'll be some dishonest oh, developers and it'll require some good analysis. City, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, one, would, one has to be hopeful. There's certainly going to be some um, messes along the way. I do believe, however, that in the areas where there are shortages, you may have price escalation. The other thing that concerns me more than anything economically and housing market-wise is with people paying less taxes, with an economy soaring, with the equity market soaring, with oil prices soaring, that all says inflation. When inflation starts, interest rates go up. That is going to be our big topic of 2018. All right, we have to go to break. We are live from Blastoff Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. Leonard will stay with us for the rest of the show. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Leonard is going to stick with us uh, for the rest of the show. We're here with Niall Lundgren from Compass, Anna Shagalaw from Halstead Real Estate, Matthew Cohen from Core, Bill Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, and Sean McPeak from Compass. So, good morning and Happy New Year, everybody. Haven't seen you in a couple of weeks, right? We just came back after a very long, restful holiday. Yeah, happy New Year. Do we all look different? <laughs> you know, it's so it's, different. We were talking about this in the green room before the show. It, today was like the first day that I put a what I want to call a spring jacket on because it was 30 Absolutely. something degrees because I felt like I was overdressed. I mean, it's been eight degrees, seven degrees. I've been layered. I look like a polar bear. I can't get in and out of cabs. It's just insane. Yeah, What's today's today's beach weather. I'm on yeah. my way. Today's yeah, it's, beach it's, weather. It's humid and bombing. It's like how's, how's Jet doing? It's how's Jet like in the weather? Jet does not go outside in the no way. She is not having any part of this. So <laughs> you can only imagine the stress in my household. <laughs> anyway, let's get to it. The last of the legacy contracts from the super luxury boom are closing, and the market is beginning to feel the hangover. So contracts signed in uh, 15, 16, and you know 17. Uh, you know, new developments take a long time to to settle and close. As 2017 ended, the average sale price in Manhattan dipped below $2 million for the first time since early 2016. Average prices for Manhattan condos were down 15% in the fourth quarter, and the median price was down 4.7% year over year, according to a recent report from Douglas Elliman. The drop-off is largely due to the fact 
the wave of contracts signed in 14 and 15 during the luxury development boom are coming to an end. That's evidenced by the much starker declines in the luxury market, as Leonard you know, cited an example earlier, where the average sale price uh, slipped 21% from $9.6 million in 16 to $7.6 million at the end of 17. Very long, guys. I'm sorry. In the new development market, the average price fell 17% to $4 million. So what, I mean, in new development condo sales, what do we predict 2018 to be about? I mean, obviously, prices have dropped. There's been major concessions. Uh, the older contracts that we talked about earlier have all started closing. So now people are out there visiting new development saying, well, you know, it's a whole different world out there. So I don't know. And I'm currently in a situation in new development and people are like, well, you know, I don't know if I really need to pay that kind of money. I think it's going to come back. I, I think people built a lot of wealth over the past year. I think, you know, they open up their E-Trade account. They're feeling really good about it. There's people, you know, making insane returns on cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, people are buying Well, the stock property. market is up and, and that's a good thing. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, what I say, slush fund money. There there's a first spent. thing you want to do when you make a huge gain in the stock market is, you know, buy your dream home, I feel like is like your number one ticket item. Buy it while you can. Right. Right. Because they view that as an investment as well. I but mean, I also think... I mean, I don't know. I think the new development world is going to be actually refreshing this year. I think, I think be good. for every, everyone out there, I think it's going to be really I think healthy. It's, I think it's, you know, for, for me at least, whenever I look at anything in our industry, I always look at it in the eyes of a person, as a, of a buyer, as a consumer, and of a broker. And so I think it's really refreshing to be able to look at a new development that closes and be able to see, you know, it was asking $2 million and the closing price is $2 million. Instead of when you look in, at new development prices, of the last few years and historically when they're asking 2 million and it closes and it's like it closed at 2-1 or 2-2 because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, after closing costs and after everything, you know, that's what it came to. I, I think it's refreshing for consumers out there to see things that are a little more attainable. And I think it makes them even enjoy new development more. I also think the luxury you have now with the new development is you'll be able to walk into the new development, into the actual apartment you're buying mm -hmm. and physically see it. That is a wonderful luxury that in the past you were only looking at little pieces of paper and an illustration. Yeah. And yeah. you want to know what, that, that's a very interesting comment because I've sold in sales offices off of floor plans. I've also been in buildings and sold showing the actual units. And so, you know, we kind of come in and out of that scenario depending on where the market is. And I agree with you. I think, you know, I think it's easier uh, and I'm in a situation right now where I'm showing a building, I'm showing the actual units, and people feel a lot better about spending upwards of 2 and $3 million, $7 million on a unit when they can actually see it, touch it, and feel it. Very difficult to sell those same units on uh, in a sales office on a floor plan. I mean, I've done it. But, you know, it's a whole different world since when yeah, I first started doing I've, this kind of thing. I've been telling buyers that I think there's going to be a January price, a hangover from the sluggishness of last year. And then I think once March, April rolls around, it's going to be very stiff pricing. Um, concessions are going to be limited. I think the market really is going to take a step forward this spring. Yeah, I'm looking be, forward to spring. Spring market is going to be very strong. I think it's going to be very, very strong. Yeah, and right. also because you're seeing the actual physical units and touching it. I think you're going to have more primary buyers buying new developments. I think you're going to see less investors. I think especially because investors mentality is always to get in early, buy it off spec, you know, have that period that it can grow. So, and appreciate over time until they close. So I think you're going to see a lot less of those people and more primary well, buyers. Coupled with the, with the clarity of the tax reform, I think much like the election of 2016, we saw the tax reform really create some, you know, uh, some type of mystery in, in the market. And I saw a lot of people, you know, in the wait and see mode, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot of traffic. Um, you know, I've just listed a three bedroom, two bath estate sale on the Upper West Side. Um, we had uh, 12 people come to the open house. They were waiting for me when I got there. Uh, we already had offers. Um, so I feel like it's we're going to be in a really good situation for the spring. I do think that the tax bill will also have an effect. For example, my brother has his own business, and he is having his accountant now do some research on it. And it turns out that they're going to owe a lot more money this year because of the tax bill. And so if my mm -hmm. brother was thinking of buying a home this year, he would definitely put it on hold. So I do think there's going to be a little wait and see. And I do think, I mean, if you're if you're about to spend a lot of money, one of the first things you're going to do is, let me get that good accountant on the phone. Let me get that. We might need to get a better accountant. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I mean, so. That's not good mm -hmm. news. All right. So overall positive, overall, but whether very it's, mixed. Yeah. Very it's going to be a very mixed bag. And I think anyone who comes out of 2018 with an average will be lying. You got to look at the specifics. Mm -hmm. I think but, also. But, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I had a closing yesterday with um, 
it, take this for what it is, but with an older broker who I really like, actually. And she and I had Watch a really, I, lo- I know, I was, you know, I'm, I'm very careful with what I say. But um, no, I, I really, I, I love situations like that because we were actually able to, you know, we got along really well throughout the whole transaction. And instead of almost getting at each other because of our age difference, we actually became kind of close and we were able to share stories on both sides of things. Um, and yesterday we were talking about how much the industry has changed. And she brought up to me, she was like, I think it's wild how in this day and age, younger agents are being as successful as they are in a world where there's over 30,000 agents in just Manhattan, not even New York City. So, you know, and she was saying, obviously, you know, when she was coming up in this 30, 40 years ago, it was very different. There were maybe not even 10,000 agents. So, you know, there are a lot less listings for agents. So I think this year, especially on top of what we're saying, I think you're going to see a lot of agents on the fence about to stay in the business or not. I think you're going to see a lot of agents waver. I also think the first three months of this year are going to provide the most extraordinary buying opportunity in the new development arena because sellers are looking at the tax bill and they don't know. Buyers are looking at the tax bill and they don't know how it's going to play out. In that lies buyer power, number one. Mm. But more importantly, this is the calm before the storm of rising interest rates. And the cost of an interest rate rise is much greater than the cost of an apartment saving price. So looking at that is very critical to buyers today. Let me throw something out there because I was thinking about this the other day and I don't necessarily have an answer to this, but maybe you do, Leonard. So at the end of the day, we've been probably more in a buyer's market than anything else for the past two years, okay? Do you see this tax reform situation today assisting the change or helping the change back to a seller's market at all? Do you think that the sellers will uh, could potentially get back in control if we stay in this kind of quagmire of a, of a wait and see? I mean, I, I, no one knows. I don't know where to go. No one knows, but the bottom line is there are already areas where there are shortages of certain kinds of property, and there is total seller power, and then there are other areas where there's an abundance of uh, product, and there's buyer power. So I think it's critical in today's market to have a really smart professional who understands the fine nuances of a market to help you decipher where there's real value and where there's perceived value. And what Leonard said earlier about the supply this year, I think you're just adding so many factors. So as I mean, as a real estate agent myself and as someone who loves the real estate world, I'm really excited to see what happens this year and next year specifically because you're not only having the tax thing, you're also having the Trump thing. You're also going to have a lot of supply. And on top of that, we're coming to an end of a cycle. So it's we'll also actually a major pass in here too. So that might have a little bit of effect on the marketplace. And I also wanted to kind of not speculate about it, but just kind of throw that in the mix uh, in in, a, in an even year. And this is an even year. We've got midterm elections coming up. So who knows how that's going to affect. But also, I wanted to ask everybody about the bonuses because Wall Street was so uh, high last year. The, the 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 numbers have been significant uh, coming out of Wall Street. So bonuses will be significant. We think you know January, February, March this year on a payout basis. Hopefully that translates to buy power. I mean, that's what I base my optimism off of. Um, you know, we have several people working, you know, at a very large bank, the large bank downtown, and they're definitely getting ready to go look out for property in February, March. And hopefully it's primary property and not secondary homes, right? Because we work in, on primary and more than likely new development. And new development. Yeah. There we have yeah, it. It's probably going to end up new development. All right. The year 2017 had some serious ups and downs, and the real estate market was no exception. A luxury real estate broker, as luxury real estate brokers, we had we had firsthand look at the way this year shaped up, especially here in Manhattan. One major benefit for New York City A-listers played a colossal game of monopoly when it comes to real estate. I think Leonard mentioned this before. How significant are the A-listers and or celebrities in our current marketplace? You know, uh, again, uber rich very high ticket items. We always think that celebrities are going to be the ones to buy it. However, as he said before, there are plenty of other very wealthy people. So where did A-listers or celebrities play in our market in 2017? Or did they in a significant way? I mean, in 2017, you saw the you know the project downtown on Greenwich and Tribeca, a million celebrities bought there. So I think that 
I yes. guess I guess celebrities I think are more driven by the project specifically. I think they're more driven by who's doing it. I think that a lot of you know this when you look at celebrities who are purchasing and selling in the city, they always have one of a few agents, and they're all very good agents. So that's you know attributed to what Leonard said before about having a great professional by your side to just educate you. But I think you saw on the sales side at least, you know. I, I I guess for me in the last five years, I, I had a tendency to see, you know, big ticket high end <coughs> properties go quicker because of who was selling it. There would always be a lot of publicity about it and, you know, and people would talk and it would create, you know, it, it would create a lot of um, excitement. But I, I found that you didn't get that last year. You know, J-Lo with her penthouse, I think it's still sitting there. Um, you know, I. I don't see the actually you, you saw more um, old school celebrities like Brian Lewis selling Greta Garbo's, you know, apartment, like something like that. Oh, that 45% was 45% over the exactly. Price I heard. Did yes. you just diss J-Lo? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I'm not on her Dangerous. blog. Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> He's not an Instagram follower of J-Lo, clearly. I think a lot of I the celebrity it. closings we saw, too, were kind of the shadow contracts, yeah. which you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh, and, I, and I think a major driver of people working with those type of brokers, certain brokers and buying in certain properties I've observed is uh, confidentiality. Some of the buildings um, have been releasing names of the big buyers, the big, big buyers. But then you have um, like a 443 Greenwich, which is virtually all celebrities. And I think uh, one of the main key selling points of that building was the underground parking and, you know, the private elevators all being split up throughout the building. I think, you know, celebrities are really attracted to that anonymity. We have to leave it there. We'll be back after this break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. We are back. Leonard Steinberg is here with us uh, from Compass, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Anna Shagaloff from Halstead Real Estate, Matthew Cohen from Core, Phil Horrigan, leasebreak.com, and Sean McPeak. 
from Compass. As 2017 drew to a close, Manhattan's landlords were offering concessions of free month's rent, for example, at a higher rate, and sellers were closing above list price at a lower rate than a year earlier. The theme for 2017 was that renters and buyers are holding firm as sellers and landlords are having their hands forced. Comparing the third and fo- the third quarter of 2016 to the third quarter of 2017, the most recent figures available, a sharp rise in uh, in the rate of landlord concessions to 25.5% up from 12.6%, um, co- coincided with a drop in the rate of sales from 13.2% uh, from 17.9%. So, Phil, for example, on the rental side, what is the forecast for this coming year in 2018? I mean, where do you think, does this continue to do this or does it I not? Mean, as Leonard says, nobody knows. And I, I, I do agree with that on the rental side as well, that nobody really knows. I find it um, I find it fascinating that the rental market struggling and the sales market and the stock market is at all time highs. Like we haven't seen too many situations where that's the case. And low unemployment. Yeah, and low unemployment. Yes, exactly. So, um, but I, I there's, there's still a lot of product out there. You know, on, on leasebreak.com, we have. Mm-hmm. I, I always can tell when the market's struggling mm-hmm. because you have a lot of tenants posting their lease breaks, and we're, we're having record numbers of people, and that's because. The landlords, you know, go ahead, good luck finding someone. Whereas in a hot market, the landlord would say, oh, we'll take over that property. No problem. You want to leave? No problem. We'll find someone for higher the rent. Thank you for thank you for wanting to break your lease. And now that's not the case. Um, the, the market's really struggling. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah, it's just one thing I'll say, is, as Leonard pointed out, if the sales market continues to struggle, I do think there's a world in which it helps the rental market. And, and that we could see that in 2018. But again, hard to say. I think the problem is the rent is too damn high. <laughs> Clearly. Always is. I would say, too, when you're looking at rentals, uh, it comes out of like a supply and demand. I mean, this year we're coming in with a lot more supply. Last year, it was 15,000 new units. And same thing this, this year, in 2018, we'll be coming to, to market. Sales. No, I'm, I'm talking about oh, the rentals. Rentals. Got it. About 15,000. So, for example, I have a whole building in Brooklyn where I have about 80 units. And what I'm seeing constantly from feedback from folks that are coming through the building is that there's just a ton of inventory. Like, why would I take this at this price when I can, mm-hmm. you know, get this or this mm-hmm. and this? And they're sending me three, four different types of listings. And it's when you when you're looking at it, it's like, wow, there there's a lot of options. I mean, people have choices, and especially in places like, you know, this building in particular is in Williamsburg, where there's the the looming L train is is <clears throat> a factor that's. You know, hanging over the heads of a lot of Absolutely. landlords. So that's another factor that's playing into uh, this whole supply and demand. And if they're not incentivized, no fee, free month. No, there's no way they're going to do There's it. no way they're going to do I, it. Some, and they don't care people, about amenity anymore either. I've they just care about a good deal. I've renovate an apartment for them, like renters. Yeah. But you know what? I would swim to Williamsburg. I have to tell you, I walked down the main street of Williamsburg <laughs> and I said, that is the coolest you're a good place. I'm a great swimmer. <laughs> I have to tell you, Williamsburg is phenomenal. And mm. at one point, Williamsburg will be resolved with the L train. There are yes. other travel options. There are going to be a whole host of other ways to get there. And I think a lot of people are living and working in Brooklyn today. But I think the bigger issue with rentals is you can't build too much of the same thing at the same price. Not everyone has $5,000 a month for rent. Insane. For a one bedroom in some cases, it's crazy. All right, talking about numbers, and we, we agree that the, the, the stock market is up, the jobs uh, the jobs uh, market is, is solid. And last month in December, the Fed Reserve voted to increase interest rates for the third time last year, a move widely anticipated by statements from the Fed officials and last week's strong jobs report. With the economy growing steadily, the Fed increased borrowing rates to help keep the pace of growth at sustainable levels. However, 30-year fixed mortgage rates have already risen in anticipation of this shift, and longer-term rates reacted little to today, last week's announcement. How is the interest rate increase potentially going to affect the market again going into 2018? Is it going to be a significant impact? The rates are still historically ridiculously low, but it is still an increase. I was going to say that when interest rates go up, there's always this fear that, okay, prices are going to go down. But you have to ask yourself, well, why are interest rates going up? If interest rates are going up because the economy is doing really, really well and people are getting more money and they're going to have more money to spend on real estate. That could be a good thing. However, I am concerned because right now the sales market is struggling. And on top of that, we have the interest rate increase. So I, it, it does it, it really gives me 
a big pause for concern here. Um, so I, again, we never know for sure, but something we have to really look at and I'm worried about. It. I think people are more concerned about the interest rate uh, increase a year, year and a half ago. I think these days you have so many other factors mm. that people are considering. You know, a year and a half ago, I'm also I'm also might be misquoting this, but maybe two years ago, even when they started to increase or the Fed was talk, speaking about increases, that was really like the only factor other than the election. And you know, nowadays you have so many other factors, and I just think that people are thinking about many things right now. They're, they're thinking about many many things, and on top of that, most people after the you know certain hikes that we've had from the Fed are coming down to earth about interest rates because I think they were so super low at one point that, you know, an increase on a seven-year arm from like 2.8 to, to three was insane. Like, oh my God. But, but you know, now people are coming down to earth and they're saying, oh, okay, they're at 3.5. Cool. About 10 years ago, they were at 10%. So I think people are coming down to earth and saying, okay, if we get a 4%, that's still amazing. In like 20 years, it could be 15%. So it I think also, people are better these days. Sorry. sorry. It also depends on how educated the buyer is and how long they've been in in the system, um, air quotes, um, because new buyers coming in, you know, they're just so worried about everything. They're nervous. They don't know how to handle the world right now, just in general, as Matt said. And, um, you know, they're coming to their advisors, us and their lawyers and their parents and their, you know, um, so if, if it's somebody that's bought and sold, they know what they're dealing with. And they also know that the prices don't often correlate with the interest rate. You just have to wait for things to kind of settle down, and then they just keep going. Yeah, the, the prices really don't correlate with the interest rates here. And uh, I think that was a major concern of buyers two years ago until the 2015, like, you know, June, when our president came down the escalator. And then that's when people really started, you know, considering other factors in their purchase. And interest rate kind of went to, like, the third concern. I think the other concern I have is interest rates and how they impact mortgage rates may not be as big a deal as the interest rates and how they impact the cost of other stuff. The average American consumer has $16,000 worth of credit card debt. That worries me more when it comes to the rental world. And also, mm-hmm. also for the sales world, because when you're dealing with you know co-op boards, for example, and, and even some condo boards, and they're looking at the overall financial health of your application, that's significant. Uh, you know, how, how do we, you know, erase that? Lord knows. I think, I think all people can, or most people can agree that it, we keep on talking about the 2018 market. And I, I think a great way to look at it is we always say, oh, is it a seller's market? Is it a buyer's market? When are sellers and buyers going to meet? And I think instead these days, there's a change. I think you're going to see with all the different factors out there, I think you're going to see consumers and agents meet at loving real estate. I think that more than ever with a million different factors, people who really love real estate and love what they're getting and love what they want are going to come to the forefront. Provided the inventory is there. <laughs> Good point, Anna. <laughs> well, provided the inventory is there. And as Leonard said earlier, you know, in some cases, you know, there there seems to be limited, although, you know, back to your $3 million uh, potential bidding war, uh, mazel tov, that's a great thing. But, you know, are we seeing anything by way of bidding wars on a grander scale like we used to? Or is this they're just still one-offs. I recently had one, and it's almost like I didn't even know how to deal with it because I <laughs> forgot. One. I forgot how to deal with it. It's like, oh wow, what is that about, right? We actually had a bidding war um, in December of all months at a seven million dollar price point. Yeah, and it's interesting because again, it's the supply and demand. How many of that specific ilk of property is available at that moment in time, and the premium a buyer is willing to pay for something they don't have to do much work to is astounding. Absolutely. All right. Unfortunately, guys, we are out of time. That's it for me. That is our show for today. Thank you so much, Leonard Steinberg from Compass for joining us today and my panel, of course, as always, until next time, be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.